This is Reese Davis, and you're listening to the Galloway Podcast. Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 72. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. The Galloway Podcast is presented by WD Marketing Group, a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. WDMG has helped clients in a wide variety of industries. They've helped me, and so let them help you surpass sales and growth goals while maintaining true brand identity for you, your brand, or your business. Your business is too valuable not to market. So let them help you. You can learn more about WDMG WD Marketing Group on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. On today's episode, we're talking with Rodney Orr of Tider Insider about Alabama spring football, the spring game that happened just last weekend. Also, what to look for this upcoming summer as the team prepares for fall camp coming up later in August. It's going to be a busy summer, a lot of turnover for Alabama football. Also, the NFL draft happening in just a week's time. Folks, it is getting busy. It is getting crazy. Graduation is around the corner. This is the last podcast I will record in college, which is absolutely insane to think about. Started this over three years ago as a sophomore. Here I am about to graduate. But enough about me. Let's talk some sports. What's new in the world of sports? The Alabama football 8A game last Saturday, which we'll talk about with Rodney shortly, specifics, but viewership-wise, it averaged 547,000 viewers on ESPN. It was the highest-rated, most-viewed spring game on ESPN and the family of networks since 2016. Also, there were nearly 50,000 people in attendance. It was the biggest sporting event in America in over a year because of all the COVID uh, restrictions and regulations, so national champions once again, Alabama breaking national records with 47,000 and some odd number, I believe it was 47,218 fans inside Bryant-Denny. It was an incredible atmosphere. The lower bowl was just about completely full. There were fans in the upper bowl, and it was a fantastic experience. People wearing masks. You can't social distance if the stadium's at half capacity, so all that's out the window. But we're not here to talk about science. We're here to talk about sports. What else is new in the world of sports? Auburn had their 8A game as well. We could talk about that a little bit. Bo Nix was, I believe, 12 for 20. He had one touchdown pass and trying to work out the kinks of that offense and trying Bo Nix trying to establish his identity under uh, new head coach Brian Harson. It's going to be an interesting year for Auburn. They've got, obviously, a big turnover with coaching changes. Gus Malzahn now at UCF. So it was good to get a little look there. They've got a couple dynamic players on both sides of the ball. But in all reality, the SEC runs through Tuscaloosa, and we know that. And so we're going to talk with Rodney about that here in just a few seconds on the Galloway Podcast, Episode 72. I want to remind you, the Galloway Podcast is brought to you by WD Marketing Group. Check them out on the web at wdmarketinggroup.com. Um, lastly, what's new in the world of sports? This one a little bit lighter note. Since the last Galloway podcast, the Masters happened. Of course, Hideki Matsuyama won the tournament, shot 10 unders. Alatoris finished second at 9 under. Uh, Justin Thomas was in the hunt and then dropped in the weekend. 
But I'll tell you what, that was just relaxing. That was much needed. There were fans there. And uh, with everything going on, not just here in Tuscaloosa, but in the world, right? Everything going on. It was just good to have the Masters on TV, have a sense of normalcy return. And it was a great kind of start to this 2020 calendar sports year, which is well into existence. Uh, but it was just good to see that normalcy of the Masters again. Congratulations to Hideki Matsuyama, 2021 Masters champion. I think one of the coolest things to come out of that, too, is the next day there was a picture tweeted of him sitting in the airport with his Masters green jacket sitting in the a normal terminal with a normal person, uh, you know, just like a normal person, flying like a normal person. Uh, you would think if you win the Masters, surely you get a private jet back to whichever airport is taking you internationally back to Japan. But he was just a commoner, uh, except he wasn't because he had a green jacket. I think that was a really cool story, seeing Hideki Matsuyama in the Atlanta airport with his green jacket uh, that he had won the day before flying on his way back to Japan. Really cool story, and obviously he was really fun to watch. Played really good golf recently in Augusta. Hey, episode 72 of the Galloway Podcast is brought to you by WD Marketing Group, and it's time for the interview now with Rodney Orr of Tighter Insider. Reminder, you can follow William Galloway on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Please tweet me or contact me if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast. I'm joined now by Rodney Orr, the founder of Tighter Insider here on episode 72 of the Galloway Podcast. Rodney's been a guest before. It's been a busy spring with Alabama football. Now spring practice is over and we look towards the summer. Rodney, thank you for taking some time again to join the podcast. How are you? Hey, William. I'm doing great. I hope you are as well. Absolutely. Graduation is quite literally around the corner. So uh, counting down oh, wow. the days there. But uh, even even more exciting than graduation, Alabama football this fall. I won't be a student, but I'm excited to watch this team. And after watching them on A-Day, uh, I wanted to talk with you a little bit about this team, this offseason, and, and kind of what we can expect here in the coming months as Alabama prepares to defend its national title. Rodney, just right off the bat, I want to ask you about A-Day, uh, your preliminary thoughts, and starting on the defensive side of the ball. Alabama just looks so good and so deep. What were you thinking as you watched the A-Day, especially the defense? Well, uh, look, I was – overall, uh, we obviously we're locked out as, as the media. Uh, we, we don't have an opportunity for that brief media viewing period during practices like we've always had due to the virus and we've been locked out for a year now. So uh, really haven't had an opportunity to get an up close look at the, at the personnel, the players and all of that, and kind of see how they look on the hoof and uh, their athleticism. You can always get that glimpse, William, you know, when you walk in that gate, you've been there, you've seen it, even though it's 10 minutes, you can't really tell a lot about what's going on. You at least get an opportunity to see what these players look like, what the team looks like physically. So this was our first opportunity to do that uh, on Saturday at the A-Day, watching it on ESPN. And uh, we knew that there was a lot of young talent, people we spoke to that were practice observers that had opportunities to see this team, had told us about how they were progressing and how they looked physically. And you know what? I don't think that those people, not only were they not exaggerating uh, about the young talent on this team, but they, I think they even sold it a little short to be honest with you. Uh, and again, you're losing a lot of players. You're losing a lot of great players on the offensive side, especially a lot of great leadership. Um, that, that doesn't get replaced immediately. There's no question about that. The experience that you're losing and all of those things. But 
Uh, when you just look at the sheer athletic potential of these guys that we saw out there Saturday, it's pretty amazing. I, I'm not sure that on both sides of the ball, one to 85, this isn't as athletic and as much potential as I've seen since Nick Saban's been here. And, you know, I know that's kind of a general overview, and you probably want to get in more specifically talking about certain players, which is great. But just overall, and I'm talking both sides of the ball, it's really impressive. Defensively, I will say this quickly uh, to your point, and that is that, first of all, they've got a lot of players that they've developed over the last few years. You're talking about a lot of front guys, whether it's DJ Dale, Justin Aboibe, Byron Young, Fedarian Mathis did not participate Saturday. He's been out all spring, but still. Then you see Chris Allen. Will Anderson had a big year as a freshman last year. All these guys now have experience. Christian Harris, for example, on the inside, he came in and thought this will be his third year. Well, he had never even played inside linebacker when he got to Alabama. Now he's going into his third year with a lot of experience, a lot of confidence. Jalen Moody, he's going into his fourth year in the program now. You're starting to see him develop. Uh, you look outside, you've got Josh Job. He's done a fantastic job. He's going to be a great player next year at one of the corners. I think Jalen Armour Davis is another guy at the other corner. When you look at him, he's been in the program. He's had some ups and downs. It's developed a lot of character in him. You saw the way he performed on Saturday. Performed very well. Uh, and there are a lot of young players competing at that position. We can talk about that later if you want. But Again, I talk about all these players. You look in the secondary, DeMarco Hellams and Jordan Battle at the safety spots. Uh, those are guys over the last couple of years, gotten a lot of experience. Now they're guys that are going to have to pick up that leadership role. And I think that they're qualified to do that because of the experience that they have. One thing about just overall, before we get into specifics too, to me, the defense, and, and you can talk about how, yeah, it wasn't Alabama's number one offense or the, there were 20 guys out or whatever, whatever the situation was. But both sides of the ball, especially on defense, was so deep. Even second and third teams, you had guys forcing fumbles, making tackles, getting interceptions. And in, with all the guys that were out, I mean, you talk about Chris Allen, Will Anderson not even playing. Right. Other guys in the front second, guys in the secondary, Malachi Moore. Um it's so deep, and it was so promising, I think, to see so many guys step up and make plays. Even though it might have been second team against second team, there were still really promising plays. And when you think about adding those guys like Will Anderson, Chris Allen, Malachi Moore, um, everybody that wasn't able to go this past Saturday, it's got to be a promising and hopeful thing for Alabama fans because there were a lot of guys sitting out. No question about that. And a lot of these young players you talked about, they flashed. I mean, you're talking about Chris Braswell on the outside. You know, he stripped uh, Bryce Young. Jalen Moody picked it up and walked into the end zone for a touchdown. And then he's been really good, Chris Braswell, uh, the last few weeks of spring. And he's a guy that you see. He's going to be an outstanding pass rusher. I mean, really talented. Um, you know, on the inside backer spots, three guys really stood out to me as young players. First of all, Deontay Lawson, the true freshman early enrollee out of Mobile Christian, played for Ronnie Cottrell down there, former Alabama assistant. Deontay Lawson is going to be a big, big-time player. I mean, you were looking at a guy on Saturday, number 32, who only – that, that was only his 15th practice at Alabama. And he looked very comfortable playing at that inside linebacker spot. Not saying he was perfect, didn't make mistakes and all of those things. It's not it at all. 
I'm talking about potential, and you could see it there. He seemed to be playing with a lot more confidence than most true freshmen who've only been here for 15 practices would go out there and play. So I like Deontay Lawson. I think Demoy Kennedy from Theodore, another inside backer, tremendous athlete. There's no question about his athleticism. He's starting to look more comfortable in what he's doing. He was, he's a, again, he, he, he redshirted last year as a freshman, but a, a great athlete. I thought Jackson Bratton as well, number 33, if you saw him uh, out of Muscle Shoals, another redshirt freshman linebacker on the inside. Thought he really looked good, very physical player. So I was encouraged by him. You look at the corner spots. Um, we talked about Jalen Armour Davis trying to win that other job. You know, and then all of a sudden you've got Kool-Aid Jaquincy McKinstry, uh, the true freshman from Pinson Valley, five-star player. He looked every bit the part to me. I mean, played really well. He had the interception that led to the winning points. Uh, he's just a fantastic-looking prospect, may also return punts. And a guy that didn't play Saturday but had a big spring at that corner spot too is Marcus Banks, a sophomore out of Houston, redshirt sophomore out of Houston. You know, and Marcus – uh, in the second scrimmage, had a couple of picks, including a pick six. He's performed really well all spring. Again, another very talented player. Brandon Turnage is another one who's been in the program for a while. He's a redshirt sophomore, and he's out of uh, Oxford, Mississippi. He made some really nice plays in the uh, in the A-Day game. So I think when you look defensively at some of those young players, Christian Story, a redshirt freshman, had an interception. Had that interception, yeah. Nearly ran, yeah. Uh, ran into Saban. <laughs> yeah, he really did. And uh, so you see him developing. He's had some good practices this spring and then in the A-Day. So he's encouraging as a young player. Uh, and there's probably several others that I didn't mention on that side of the ball. Uh, look, I think Tim Smith on the interior of the defensive line, he is going to be a dominant player. I won't I don't know how they're going to do the rotation up front defensively uh, because they do have some really high-quality players. If D.J. Dale will, will remain the starter. But Timothy Smith is a very disruptive player. I think he's going to be a big-time player. Of course, we saw some of that last year when he was a true freshman, made a lot of plays. But also, Jamarian Latham. Uh, he's a guy that we had kind of been warned by uh, Pickens County head coach uh, Michael Williams, who – Coached him in high school, former Alabama tight end Michael Williams, uh, told us that, hey, keep the ears open for Jamarian Latham because he is going to be a really, really good player. And guess what? We saw that this spring. He's got a great first step. He's kind of like Quentin Williams. He gets that first step, and he's by you. And we saw that on Saturday. That's very encouraging. That's another great young-looking prospect. So uh, Jamil Burroughs has had some – uh, big uh, scrimmages has uh, just shown some flashes in different scrimmages, and he even played some last year as a true freshman. But you kind of get the drift, and then you got a veteran like LeBron Ray coming back, who hopefully LeBron now in his what fifth season is healthy, uh, can stay healthy, and if he can, and if he he's got five star ability. That's you know when he came out of high school, uh, out of um, uh, James uh, Madison High School, he was a you know, very highly ta- – James Clements High School, I'm sorry, in Madison. He was a very talented prospect and still is if he can stay healthy. Yeah, the depth is one thing that is just going to – and it's not just for this season too because you mentioned all these guys and their age and their youth. 
it's going to be two or three years and we're going to hear these same names over and over people in the sec and around college football are going to get tired of hearing these names they're going to develop and one thing that i think is such a valuable asset for this program is how they have this full off season to develop you think about bringing in the new strength coaches last year at this time and they didn't have anything to do they could do their apple watch workouts from home and that was it well they go through the gauntlet of the sec schedule right now they've got the full-on schedule of the sec play uh that was last year and now they've got the full off season they've got a, a regular season coming up uh it's going to be a fantastic year for alabama i think honestly this is the best alabama defense we might have seen in four or five years since going back to that 2016 team but mm -hmm. a year from now two years from now could be twice what they are with the experience that they have because of their youth what's the longevity of this defense and how do you see it unfolding over the next two to three years no, I think that's a great point. First of all, I do believe that this is going to has the opportunity to be the best defense that Alabama's had since 2016 or 17. Uh, you know, obviously, 2016 was the premier defense in a while. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you're right. With all the young players, we mentioned a lot of those guys. And we haven't even mentioned some that are coming in that are really impressive. Dallas Turner is one that's going to be a dynamic pass rusher. He's a guy that can play down as a defensive end or stand up, play outside backer, kind of like a, a Will Anderson. Uh, he's going to be really, really good. Terry Ann Arnold is another guy at safety that's uh, extraordinarily gifted coming in as a, as a freshman. He, he's not here yet. And a Juco player, Karee Jackson, was probably the premier, although he didn't play last season, he was probably the premier junior college corner in the country, could play corner, could play safety. And I'm telling you, William, remember the name Karee Jackson. He's 6'3", he's 200 pounds, probably runs a 4'5", 40, legit. And he's a guy that could play wide receiver as well. I mean, he could be a big-time wide receiver. So, But as far as looking forward with this defense and all those young players that we talked about, I think it's certainly promising for the future, not only just next season, but yeah, I mean, Alabama could be strong for several years now on the, on the defensive side of the football. There's no question. And the continuity in the coaching staff, I think, is also helpful. They only replaced one guy, Carl Scott, with Jay Valai at the corner position. And listen, I think Jay Valai is a, an, an upgrade uh, in a lot of ways. So uh, really uh, excited about what they're doing on the defensive side right now. With the offense, Rodney, I want to ask you about the offensive line. Obviously, there are tons of gaps. There are injuries, um, guys not playing. Emil Ekior, one of those guys, um, Chris Owens, was under center, obviously playing in the national championship game. A lack of experience in the offensive line is not something Alabama struggled with in years past. They've been so dominant, so big. Uh, obviously, Remington Award winner, best offensive line in college football. How do you replace all those guys? Who are a couple guys that are going to be – in front of Bryce Young and protecting him. Obviously, Bryce Young is like 5'9", 5'10", 5'11", whatever it is. Officially, I think he's listed at 5'11". But what are the questions around this offensive line and how will Al those Alabama guys answer those questions? Well, I think, first of all, they've got a great foundation on the offensive line. Chris Owens did a fantastic job in the playoffs, especially against Ohio State. I know there's a lot of confidence in him. He's a great leader up front, I think. Uh, and he's got a lot of experience in the past. Remember, in the 2019 season, he started three of the first four games at center before Landon Dickerson took over. Landon was just a great player. 
you know, but Chris has also started at right tackle. You remember he started in the Arkansas game, the regular season finale last year, right tackle. So he's a veteran player, understands a lot up front. So you've got Chris Owens at center, and then you've got Emil Ekior who set out the, the spring at right guard, and, and Emil's an all-SEC, potentially all-American player. There's no question about that at right guard. Then at left tackle, uh, Evan Neal is a guy that's going to be a top five pick next year this time in the NFL draft. Uh, obviously switching from right tackle. So I think they've got a great foundation with those three. It's just a matter of how are they going to plug in the other guys and, you know, then they'll develop that chemistry and that unity. They'll do all that in camp, but there's a lot of promising players. I mean, there's a lot of them. You look at right tackle. Kendall Randolph ran with the ones, the last two scrimmages, A-Day game and, and then the last, the second scrimmage. So he was there. Now, will he be the number one right tackle? I, I'm just going to guess, William, that that will probably come down to Damian George and uh, true freshman J.C. Latham. Now, I may, I may be wrong. Kendall Randolph did a nice job, but he's valuable as a swing player. He's also one of those blocking tight ends. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I think at left guard, if they leave Ekior at right guard, because he has played left guard as well, too. So let's assume he stays at right guard. You've got Tommy Brown, a veteran player who's been around. Uh, he did a nice job this spring there at that spot. But you also have JV and Cohen, who had a really good spring as well, a, a guy that's a sophomore. I think he's a uh, fantastic. Got a little banged up at one point, but nothing major, yeah, according right. to Saban. He had a bone spur, right. You're right. He had a bone spur. And then – uh, you know, Damian George is capable of sliding. In fact, the second uh, scrimmage, he slid in at right guard and started there with the one. So you, you kind of get the drift. They've got some young players. They've got on the outside, they've got two five-star offensive tackles. You heard what Kirk Herbstreit said. Nick Saban told him on the field, both of these young tackles are going to be really, really good. Tommy Brockemeyer, J.C. Latham. And I think Latham's going to really compete to start at that right tackle spot when, when it resumes. And I think also you've got a guy like T.J. Ferguson uh, on the inside who is a true freshman that's going, going to be a really good player. He'll, he'll certainly add support there. And I, I really like Darian Dalcourt. I mean, he's a guy that's very, very talented, a guy at the backup center spot that I think is really good. And, look, we could go on and on. Another young player that I think is really good, Seth McLaughlin who, whether he's at center or whether he's at right guard, he's he's been an impressive player, just a sophomore. So, um, you know, again, they've got a lot of players up front to develop. I think they'll they'll end up – this offensive line, it might not be last year's, okay, but I think it's gonna, going to end up being a strength of the team eventually. And going forward, kind of like we talked about the defense, you know, there's room to build, there's room to grow. They're going to get that experience, and they've got obviously all those weapons around them, young weapons as well. I think that's going to be the tale of this Alabama team this year is youth and maybe not as much experience, but so much skill, uh, just as much, if not more skill than anybody else across the league and across college football. Any concerns with you, Rodney, about the height of Bryce Young or anything you've seen from him? He's progressed, and Coach Saban said he's progressed well this year. Uh, obviously, seems to be the front runner for QB1. No, not many questions really around there, but in terms of height or anything you've seen this spring or you saw in the 8A game, does anything concern you about Bryce Young going into the summer? No, really not that, any of those things. I just think the main thing for Bryce is to continue to take the experiences that he had this spring. You saw a few of them in the 8A game, that it's just a matter of making those adjustments 
because we but we got to keep in mind this is okay so he's an early enrollee last year but spring practice was canceled due to the virus as you remember so he missed 15 practices last spring and they all did but those were 15 opportunities for him as a quarterback to develop would have been two scrimmages plus a day so ultimately three scrimmages okay so he gets into august camp he he he, due to illness he missed about 10 or 11 days whatever it was missed a full scrimmage he went into last season actually with one full scrimmage under his belt so he missed a lot of development time going in last season played mop up you saw that uh and then he comes into this spring this is his first real opportunity to get a ton of reps uh, as, as quote unquote, kind of like the guy, you know, that, you know, he's going to, going to probably be that guy and getting those kind of reps that they give the number one guy. So that's a lot of development he got this spring. But if you look at the way he performed Saturday and the amount of experience that he has right now, I, I look, I think he's ahead of schedule based on what I've seen. I was very impressed with Bryce Young. Again, is he perfect right now? No, but you would not expect that you have to be realistic. Uh, You can't compare him to the season that Mac Jones had last year. Mac was in his fourth year, okay, been in the program four years. So, But right now where Bryce Young is, he's starting at a very high level, in my opinion. He's going to take those things, those mistakes that he made in the 8A game. Those will be learning experiences for him. He'll grow from that. He's really smart. He'll catch catch on to that quickly. So I'm not really concerned about that as far as his height. You know, again, it's it's ideally he would be six three, but you know what? He's not. Uh, he's he's about five eleven, whatever it is, and it doesn't seem to affect him. I mean, I think he plays, uh, you know, well. He finds passing lanes. It doesn't seem to affect him that much. I've noticed on the RPOs, he gets them out first of all, lightning quick. Those slants, incredible. It's two alike. I even think he has a quicker release than Tua, to be honest with you. And, and Tua uh, had I, a I, lightning fast release. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a faster. I'm not saying it's the fastest, but I don't know that I've ever seen a quicker release, man. I mean, it is like pow, it's out of his hand fast, and it's a laser. So I just think, you know, this kid has a lot of potential. I think they're going to take the experiences that he had this spring and build on those going into next uh, next fall. So you say, is there a concern? I just think you got to keep him healthy. You know, absolutely. I think he's, absolutely. He's got to protect himself. One thing, uh, one guy that stands out to me is a Jai Hall. Uh, obviously, made some tremendous catches, showed a lot of potential. There's going to be so many weapons, and we talked about a little bit of inexperience at those skill positions on offense. But Rodney, last question before I want to ask you about the NFL draft: Who's one guy who stood out to you um, offensively as a weapon? Uh, Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams, any, anybody running back, receiver, tight end that stood out to you in Saturday's 8A game? Yeah, I mean, I think all of those guys did. Uh, you mentioned a Jai Hall, Jason McClellan, Roy Dell Williams. I think all those guys did. I think Keelan Robinson's going to be really good, too. But I, I would have to say the one that stood out to me is Cameron Latu at tight end. First of all, we know what Jill, Jaleel Billingsley can do. I mean, he is a tremendous player. We saw that last year. He's got Tremendous receiving skills, great athlete, <laughs> a guy that is a tight end H-back returning kickoffs. That tells you a little bit about him uh, and his athleticism. But Cameron Latu has really come on. You're going to see, I think, a lot of two tight ends with Billingsley and Latu. That play, well, first of all, 
this spring in the first two scrimmages, Latu had multiple touchdown receptions in each of those scrimmages, okay? So we're getting into A day and we're saying, okay, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, he performs. And what does he do? He produces a big play, gets open down the field. He's got great size. He's six, maybe 6'5", 250, very athletic, very athletic. Because remember now, he was recruited as a four-star linebacker out of the state of Utah uh, when he got here, when he came in. And they converted him to a tight end. He didn't do much for a couple of years. Now he's starting to merge. Tremendous athlete, great hands. You saw the move in the open field. That was what was really impressive. Gets down the field, makes the catch, has a very athletic DB coming after him, DeMarco Hellams, and he makes that little stutter step move to get himself free and, and go down the sideline for a 59-yard touchdown reception. So I'm really excited to see Cameron Latu. I think he's got a chance to have a great impact on this, uh, on this offense next season. Rodney, when you look at the NFL draft, will you compare Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith for me? Because the two of them obviously have been back and forth in terms of who's going to be the first receiver off the board. We're a little biased here. I would definitely say Devontae Smith. But how do those two compare? And then where do you see Alabama guys falling? Because there's going to be numerous guys, just like in years past, uh, have their name called on the first night in that first round. Well, first of all, Devontae Smith and Jamar Chase, um, you know, again, they're both great receivers. I, I don't know that you could go wrong choosing either one, to be honest with you. Jamar Chase is a little bigger, obviously. I think that's the question about Devontae Smith. He's checked in at, what, 166 pounds uh, at six feet, just over six feet tall. But, look, here's the thing with Devontae Smith. Here's, you know, there's skinny and there's weak and there's fragile uh, when you're that small. But there's also a guy that's – very well built. If you looked at him physically, uh, Devontae's got muscle on him. He's, he's not just a skinny kid. Uh, he's very strong. He's got a very strong body. Uh, he's a physical player for his size. I, I think given his body, the makeup of it, the strength uh, that he has, I, I don't think durability is going to be an issue for him uh, at all. I think Devontae Smith is one of the silkiest, smooth receivers I've ever seen, uh, not just at Alabama, but anywhere. He's very deceptive as a runner. When he catches the ball, he glides. Uh, he's just very graceful in all that he does. And, and I, I just think that, you know, Devontae Smith versus Jamar Chase, again, I, I don't say one's necessarily the better pick, but I'll say this. You certainly can't go wrong picking Devontae Smith. He's got all the tools as a player, but he is a top-notch, high-quality person as well. So he's going to be good for any organization that picks him. He's going to be a guy that's going to work extremely hard. He's going to be a guy that's made a great teammate. He's going to set a great example in the locker room. He's not going to go saying things that he probably shouldn't say that's detrimental to the team or the organization. That's he doesn't just say a whole way, lot. Yeah, that's just the way he is. He's high quality on and off the field. So uh, I don't think you can go wrong picking Devontae Smith ahead of Jamar Chase. Uh, but with all due respect to Jamar Chase, I understand why people would really like him as well. As far as the overall draft, you know, again, Mac Jones probably top 10 pick. Uh, it sounds like we'll see maybe the number three pick. 
uh, by the 49ers. That's something that's been a popular uh, topic for quite a while now. So we'll see if the 49ers take him or take Justin Fields or Trey Lance, the guy from North uh, Dakota State. So, you know, we'll see how that unfolds. But we mentioned Devontae Smith. Wouldn't really be surprised if Jalen Waddle went higher than Devontae, not because I think he's necessarily a better player. They're different kind of players. But, you know, sometimes with this coming out about Devontae weighing 166 pounds, you know, people think, well, you know, we can take Jalen Waddle. He's a Tariq Hill-type player. So we'll see how that unfolds. Both those guys definitely, though, top 15 picks, you know that. Uh, even top 10, we'll see. Uh, possibly Alex Leatherwood sneaks into the first round uh, at offensive tackle. He's a really versatile player. He's played a lot of positions at Alabama. Landon Dickerson is really versatile. I think he'll he could slip into the first round. Obviously, Patrick Sertain may be the best defensive player in the dra- uh, in the draft. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he went as high um, uh, higher than any defensive player there right now. So we'll see what happens with that. And then Najee Harris. Uh, he probably slips into the first round. He's a great back, very durable. So, uh, you know, he may go in the latter half of the first round, but I think Najee Harris is also a guy that uh, will will uh, get into the first round. Just like it's been in years past, it'll be Alabama, 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 and a little more Alabama come next Thursday night and right about a week's time. Rodney, uh, don't want to – Keep any longer, but I really do appreciate all your insight and analysis on spring ball, the NFL draft, uh, talking all things Alabama football. Always great to talk with you, and thanks again for taking time to join the Galloway Podcast. Hey, William, as always, I appreciate you having me. That interview with Rodney Orr, founder of Tider Insider, is brought to you by WD Marketing Group. Check them out on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. It's a Tuscaloosa, Alabama-based marketing firm focused on helping small business and local businesses with all their digital, social media, and traditional marketing needs. That's www.wdmarketinggroup.com. It's time for Around Alabama Athletics now, and we're going to start things off with Alabama men's basketball. Obviously, a tremendous run this year, finishing in the Sweet 16 and that loss to UC. And the countdown is already on for November. Next year, next season, a new roster and lots of turnover. That's the main topic of discussion is who's going to be on the roster for Alabama basketball. Guys like Jaden Shackelford, Josh Primo uh, announcing their intentions to go to the NBA draft without hiring an agent. Surely they'll be back. Of course, John Petty, Herb Jones, graduating seniors are on their way out and are making their official statements. They did that pretty recently in the last days and the last couple weeks. But in all reality, the lineup will set itself. Nate Oates said in press conference availability, I believe it was last week, about a week ago, he said, look, we're going to get who we need, we're going to have who we have, and it's my job. Don't worry about it. It's just April. We are seven months away from the season, so... As Coach Saban would like to say, trust the process. But just a couple names for you to be aware of. Four-star center Charles Bediaco, along with transfers Noah Gurley and Namari Burnett, have all signed to continue their playing career with the Crimson Tide. Of course, they join guys like J.D. Davison. You've heard plenty about him here on this podcast. Uh, Deshaun Holt from Georgia. It's a five-man class right now. Things are constantly changing, uh, but we will see who finalizes that roster, who comes back from going from the NBA. Guys like Shackelford, Primo, I'm sure we'll see back, but they want to get that NBA grade to see what they need to improve on in the next year and years to come in their collegiate career. 
Also around Alabama athletics, Alabama baseball is 23 and 13 overall. They're seven and eight in conference play after a really rough start, going one and five. They are now seven and eight. The Crimson Tide will be up in Kentucky this weekend on Tuesday. They defeated North Alabama eight to six. Alabama beat Auburn last weekend in Tuscaloosa two to one. Had two walk-off games. They won on Thursday in a 10-inning walk-off, and then they won on Saturday in a 9-inning walk-off thanks to Jarrett Jarvis going opposite field. So Alabama baseball playing really well right now, and it's going to heat up. There are a couple crucial series coming up in SEC play that they have got to have. They're in a good position to get to Hoover and make some noise and make that NCAA tournament here in the next couple of weeks. Also, Alabama softball playing well to the surprise of nobody. They're having a fantastic season, currently 34-7 and overall, 12-6 and in conference play. Winning series left and right now. Of course, dropped one to Florida last weekend at home. Florida, the number four team in America, but Alabama number three. So that was a hard-fought series at the Rhodes House. They took on Southern Miss Wednesday night of this week. They beat Southern Miss 6-3. to And on Saturday and Sunday, they'll host the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns for a, a very rare April non-conference series. So Alabama softball taking on number 13, the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns, this weekend. And that's in Tuscaloosa, and that is a look around Alabama athletics. That's going to do it here for us on episode 72 of the Galloway Podcast, brought to you by WD Marketing Group. Once again, check them out on the web at www.wdmarketinggroup.com. The Galloway Podcast, episode 72, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.